section eleven of greece and rome this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume four greece and rome edited by eva march tappan section eleven at the olympian games after the eighth century b c by charles deal the olympian games the most renowned of all festivals of ancient greece were held once in five years every part of greece was represented and while the games lasted all warfare between the states was suspended according to greek mythology the olympian games were instituted by zeus father of the gods no one knows the precise date of their origin but in the eighth century b c the greeks were reckoning time by olympiads the years in which the games were held the editor on the first day of the festival in the early morning the games were inaugurated by solemn homage paid to the gods an imposing sacrifice was offered to zeus in the name of the Ilian state and throughout the day sacred embassies were crossing the altus and offering their gifts at the shrines meanwhile without the enclosure and in the bouleutarium the final preparations were being made for the games all those who were to take any part in the contests athletes charioteers trainers judges swore solemnly that they had obeyed all the regulations and had been guilty neither of impiety nor of sacrilege and with their hands on the altar they promised to act uprightly in all the coming contests then the hellenotici footnote judges in the footnote divided the competitors into classes the wrestlers were paired by lot and starting places were assigned to the foot racers and chariots the evening was spent in conversation and in various pastimes statesmen withdrew together to settle their negotiations friends who had met again after long parting forgot themselves in endless discourse athletes took counsel with themselves and waited quietly gathering strength for the morrow while under the starlit sky the crowd of pilgrims slept in the expectation of the coming festivities with the first rays of the rising sun the festival began long before this time while olympia was still wrapped in shadow a confused noise told that the multitude was waking bands of pilgrims hurried to the stadium to secure good places and long before sunrise the high banks of earth surrounding the arena on which forty thousand people could find seats were covered by a crowd of spectators at the moment when the first rays of the sun fell upon the plain from the lofty summits of the arcadian mountains the sound of music was heard and the official procession entered the stadium through the covered passage connecting it with the altus the hellenotici in long purple robes seated themselves on the platform erected near the goal the trainers accompanied their pupils and gave them parting words of counsel the deputies from the cities and the strangers of distinction took possession of the seats of honour reserved for them while the competitors answered to their names and took up their appointed places the stadium at olympia formed a long rectangle six hundred and ninety-two feet long by one hundred and five wide the track was four hundred and sixty-five feet in length hercules himself was said to have measured it with his mighty foot 
around it a sloping bank took the place of seats and round the stadium by the side of a narrow stone boundary which the spectator might not pass was carried a water channel through which the water for the use of athletes and attendants ran into basins the competitors disrobed under a tent at the western end and the games began they lasted three days the first of which was reserved for the contests of children and the last two for the contests of men the games however were the same for both classes of competitors first came the foot-races the most ancient of the contests of olympia the earliest of these was the single course stadion or dromos a test of speed which consisted in running once the length of the stadium and was one of the favourite sights with the spectators because by its rapid motion it displayed to more advantage than any other beauty of contour and shapeliness of limb then came the double course diaulos in which the competitors had to run twice the length of the stadium and the long race of dilacas in this last in which the competitors ran twelve times round the arena or fourteen and a half kilometres footnote about nine miles in the footnote it was less a question of speed than of endurance and consequently the race resembled walking rather than running these contests were rendered more difficult by the fact that the track instead of being on firm and solid ground was covered with a thick layer of fine sand into which the runner's foot sank thus doubling the exertion naturally the competition began with the long race then came the double course and finally the single course in which each competitor excited by the shouts of the crowd and the cries of his adversaries put out his utmost strength the pitch of excitement reached by these runners was sometimes marvellous their speed was such that one could hardly see them pass and they attained such a height of endurance that one victor in the long race after arriving first at the goal ran straight on to announce his victory at argos his native town arriving there the same evening the distance in a straight line is ninety kilometres footnote nearly fifty-six miles end of footnote and there are two mountains to cross on the way the victors were usually represented in the attitude of the short race this is the attitude of the runner ladas by the sculptor myron a statue famous in antiquity after this the wrestlers were called into the arena more skill was needed for this kind of contest as well as a special training brute force was in fact of less value than skill and science a quick sure eye to follow and foresee every movement of the adversary skill in parrying ingenuity in thrusting and variety of feint like fencing wrestling was an art in which it was not merely a question of conquering but of conquering with grace as a rule the victor must have thrown his opponent three times in such a way as to make his shoulders touch the ground but it was not easy to grapple with these wrestlers whose bodies were rubbed with oil and the rule of the olympian games allowed all sorts of wiles such as stretching out the leg pulling the foot of an adversary or leaping with one bound on his shoulders from behind sometimes wrestlers even grappled their rivals with their whole strength and pulled them to the ground by their own weight this was the favourite stroke of the celebrated milo of croton another kind of wrestling consisted in continuing the struggle even when one of the combatants had fallen to the ground which then became an actual hand-to-hand -hand fight which might be carried on in any way 
sometimes they clutched each other's throats or bit each other till the blood flowed and their backs cracked gripped firmly under the vigorous hands and sweat ran down in streams and frequent wheels along their ribs and shoulders sprang up red with blood while ever they strove amain for victory footnote iliad twenty three seven hundred and fourteen end of footnote this is the moment represented by the celebrated group of wrestlers in florence the contest was not at an end until one of the combatants acknowledged himself defeated fighting with the cestus was an extremely cruel and barbarous kind of wrestling of which boxing may offer a very much softened resemblance in this kind of pugilism the athletes wound around their hands strips of leather studded with nails or small plates of lead an equipment shown in the wrestler of the dresden museum thus armed the combatants fell upon each other and struck the most terrible blows coming out of the struggle in a very much battered condition in consequence when the homeric heroes are making ready for this terrible contest they speak of nothing less than tearing the flesh and breaking the bones of their antagonist and as a fact the defeated combatant goes away trailing his limbs and spitting blood with head hanging down and ready to faint sometimes the combatants were left upon the field or at least they went away with nose ears and teeth much damaged indeed this was so commonly the case that the monuments generally represent the victorious boxers with their ears much swollen as for example the fine bronze discovered in the gymnasium at olympia sometimes the unfortunate men returned from the fight quite unrecognizable after twenty years says one epigram ulysses was recognized by his dog argos but as for you stratophon after four hours boxing you are unrecognizable not only by a dog but even by your fellow-citizens what do i say were you to look at yourself in a glass you would exclaim with an oath i am not stratophon an ancient physician declared indeed that boxing was an excellent remedy for dizziness and headache but we must confess that the treatment was somewhat drastic the fight lasted until one of the boxers confessed his defeat and the highest skill consisted in dexterously avoiding a blow rather than in parrying it the greatest feat was to win without having received a single blow and better still without having given one but having tired out one's opponent so completely that he was compelled by exhaustion to give up the struggle the pancratium was the last contest on this day this was a combination of wrestling and boxing and on this account was one of the most highly considered among the contests as it required both strength and skill none was watched with so much interest by the spectators and no victory was more eagerly sought after by famous athletes the feats of the celebrated wrestlers of antiquity are well known their muscles as fully developed as those of the farnese hercules found no task too difficult for them one seized a bull by the hind leg and grasped it so firmly that the animal left its hoof in his hand another stopped with one hand a chariot running at full speed milo of croton fastened a cord round his head and broke it by swelling the veins polydamas like hercules met a lion and felled it to the earth there was an inexhaustible supply of stories of this kind at olympia and these heroes of the stadium lost no opportunity of displaying their prowess most of them came to an evil end in consequence the hands of milo of croton stuck fast in the cleft of a tree and he died there devoured by wolves why polydamas was crushed by the fall of a grotto which he had vainly endeavoured to hold up with his mighty hands 
the next day the games took place in the hippodrome unfortunately the excavations have afforded us no information about this structure and we only know it from the description of pausanias it was no doubt parallel to the stadium and was four stadia footnote a stadium was equal to about six hundred and seven feet End of footnote in length while the track properly so called only measured two stadia it was long and narrow in shape and was terminated on the east by a semicircular slope on the west by the starting-place or aphesis which was furnished with parallel stalls facing the course where the chariots or horses were stationed after the lots had been drawn in the centre of the starting-place was an altar surmounted by an eagle constructed in such a way as to rise mechanically and give the signal for the start at the same moment the ropes fell which closed in the stalls and when all the competitors were in line at the second starting-place a flourish of trumpets gave the signal again first came the race of four horse chariots the body of the chariot was mounted on two low wheels two horses were harnessed to the pole and there were two trace horses or outriggers as well the charioteers drove standing and holding reins and whip this was the most fashionable contest the one which attracted the richest and most powerful of the hellenes and in which success was most eagerly desired among the victors may be found simon alcibiades jello of syracuse hiero and many other famous men no sight was more exciting for the spectators than that of the chariots dashing forward and striking against one another on the course or than the horses rearing madly as they passed the mysterious turning-point where lurked the demon taraxippus the terror of horses the thrilling description of these eager contests in which more than one of the competitors was often thrown to the ground should be sought in the iliad twenty three two hundred and sixty two or in the famous lines of the elector of sophocles footnote see the selection following end of footnote the chariot races were succeeded by the horse races also of great importance in which the course was twelve times round the hippodrome the victorious horses were overwhelmed with honours statues were erected and splendid tombs built for them sometimes even like simon's steeds they were buried with their masters in the family grave as in the races of our own day it was not the charioteer or the rider who carried off the prize but the owner of the horses which ran it did not even matter if the jockey were unhorsed in the race provided the horse completed its course for example the mare of Fidolas, after having thrown its rider ran straight on and slackening its pace at the sound of the trumpet stopped of its own accord a good first before the judges stand Fidolas received the prize and a statue was set up in the altus to the horse which had won such a splendid victory when the races were over all returned to the stadium and the pentathlon followed this was the most complicated and most distinguished of all the contests the one which displayed to the greatest advantage the complete harmony of the human frame and victors in the pentathlon were considered the most beautiful men in greece for their bodies says aristotle are naturally capable of both strength and speed victory however was hard to gain for five successive contests had to be undertaken leaping hurling the discus throwing the spear running and wrestling the last two of which we have already discussed in leaping an enormous distance had to be covered and the competitors mounted a springboard and sprang off holding in their hands heavy weights called halters which afterwards helped them to stop short at the point they reached 
in the next contest stones were at first used and afterwards circular discs often ornamented with carving which were thrown as far as possible many famous statues of which the most celebrated preserved in the messini palace at rome is a copy of the discobulus of myron show the different attitudes which the athletes assumed in aiming and hurling the discus a specimen of these quoits is preserved in the berlin museum its diameter is about eight inches and the weight about four pounds last of all came the armed race which ended the games in this the competitors ran twice round the stadium bearing it appears in early times helmet shield and greaves but in later days only a shield this is the equipment of the statue in the louvre known as the borghese gladiator which undoubtedly represents a victorious hoplitodromas the last day of the games was devoted to the distribution of the prizes these were antique in their simplicity merely a crown of wild olive from the sacred tree planted by hercules and a palm branch the symbols of strength and immortality but they were bestowed with great solemnity the wreaths were laid upon the gold and ivory table carved by calates before the temple of zeus and the helenodikai placed the crown on the head of the victor while a herald proclaimed his name and country amidst the acclamations of the crowd many material advantages however accompanied the victories in the stadium the successful athletes were granted for life the right of dining in the prytaneum of their native town they were exempted from all taxation and received many other tokens of the gratitude of their fellow-citizens such as a seat of honour in the theatre and often an annuity which relieved them of all anxiety for their future still all this was nothing compared to the immortal glory which these simple olympic wreaths conferred on the victors names at length the festival was over and nothing remained to be done but to give thanks to the gods the victors sought the altars of the altus there to offer their sacrifices and thanksgivings and in order to enhance the splendour of this solemn procession their parents and fellow-citizens often placed their purses at their disposal so that it was to the music of the flute and amidst the hymns of a choir that the splendid procession wound its way through the altus then there were processions of theorii footnote religious embassies sent by the states of greece end of footnote offering their homage for the last time to the gods of olympia the solemn banquet in the prytaneum to which all the victors and the most distinguished strangers whom the festival had attracted were invited and the feast given by the generosity of the victors to their relatives friends and countrymen sometimes indeed to the whole multitude assembled at olympia end of section eleven this recording is in the public domain.